Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, everybody. Welcome to TMG. I'm your host, Travis Patton Sr. I enjoy discovering and sharing real-life moments of inspiration from everyday people. And this show is about finding moments of inspiration for our everyday lives. And look, and if you're going to tell me something, then tell me something good. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another brand new episode of TMG. That's Tell Me Something Good. I'm your host, Travis Patton Sr., Guys, real quick, don't forget to visit our Facebook page. That's Tell Me Something Good with the capital T. Guys, I'm super excited to be here today. And I know you may be saying, Travis, you are always excited to be here. Well, yeah, I am super excited. Listen, uh, before we get started, as always, i got to give a shout out to my best supporter and my biggest fan, Nicole, my lovely wife. Girl, that's your shout out. I know you're watching. I know you're listening. Listen, if you've been tuning in to the show, uh, let me tell you, thank you so much for watching, for listening each week. Uh, each week at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, we go live from Facebook. Uh, so if you've been watching each week, thank you so much. And if this is your first time tuning in, let me tell you, thank you for joining the show in a very short time. The show has really taken off. And it's been heard in countries all around the globe, like Nepal, uh, Spain. Uh, guys, I'm so glad, so happy that you're watching and tuning in. Guys, we have a very, very good episode tonight. Uh, guys, we're talking about tonight uh, is talking about, guys, we're going to talk about, you got it? Did you catch it? The guys, today we're going to talk about Trigger Happy. Now, I know a lot of us have heard of the term trigger happy and exactly what does it mean. You know, have you ever heard of somebody that is trigger happy? And when I think of something being trigger happy, something that's quick to react or quick to respond, I kind of think of a Venus flytrap. Yeah, I think of a Venus flytrap. That's one of those plants, guys, that... When insects get caught in it, it kind of traps and closes them. I want to show you what I mean when I talk about a Venus flytrap. That's what I'm talking about, about trigger happy. What are some of your triggers that may be triggering you? What are some things that 
may be setting you off and you want to be able to control it so you don't get trapped like the fly. Guys, I have a very special guest tonight that I'm going to bring on, Dr. Lori Singer. She's going to come on and bring and share some information. Guys, right before I bring her on, I want you to listen to something that she had to say. Them some type of hope, and that's what cognitive behavioral therapy does in itself. It it's, tries to teach you the thought process. If there's just a little bit of hope that you can focus on rather than becoming hyper-focused on the negative, then that's what we need to retrain your thought process to do. Guys, that was Dr. Lori Singer. And look who we have on the camera, guys. Look who we have joining us today, Dr. Lori Singer. How are you doing today, Doc? I'm doing fine. Thank you, Travis. I'm excited to be here. Um, I, I just want to clarify one thing. Uh, I am a licensed psychotherapist and board certified behavioral analyst. I do not have a doctorate in psychology, so I don't want to misrepresent myself. Absolutely. 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 We are glad that you are joining us tonight. And we're talking about trigger happy, uh, you know, things that set us off really quickly. One way or the other, sometimes triggers can make us respond negatively or become angry. And usually, when we think about triggers, we think about a negative response. We think about someone becoming angry. It also could respond of in tears. Someone could be sad. So let someone let us know uh, a little bit about you, Doc uh, Lori. Let us know a little <laughs> bit about you. Okay. Well, about me, um, I got into this field. If a uh, very long time ago, um, and I unfortunately had to do with the death of my son. I had a son that mm -hmm. passed away at two years old, and um, I was an avid runner and athlete, which I, I still am. The local college asked me to come and run for their cross-country team. Mm -hmm. I was very reluctant because I was a horrible student. Uh, I <laughs> barely graduated high school. Because I was undiagnosed at that time, I have ADHD and a learning disability. So I just thought, honestly, I, I thought I was not a bright person at all. And, right, and right. it was unfortunate. But I think a lot of people try to get by with what they can. Uh, at least later on in life, I was able to learn how to study. I applied right. the same. I applied my skills in a, as an athlete to studying. And it was amazing, Travis. I was able to <laughs> graduate uh, my junior college uh, as valedictorian, attend uh -huh. UCLA, you know, end up having my own practice. Yeah. But what I really wanted to do is I wanted to help people. That's what it came down to. When my son, Yeah, when my son got ill and I saw the other parents and how they suffered, the other families, and the other siblings, and even how when somebody has a disability, they're treated Correct. differently, unfortunately. Absolutely. And so I wanted to see how can we retrain the brain to think of something positive, no matter how your situation looks, and how do you get out of it? You know, Absolutely. how do you get out of that mindset? Th that's amazing. First of all, uh, congratulations. I mean, you, you overcame so many obstacles, obstacles that would have had most people feeling, you know, left out of society, 
uh, could have been left out of his life, so to speak, and they would have not participated in their own life. And you, you participated in your life in the direction that you wanted things to go, regardless of what have happened to you, whether it was your fault or not your fault. You took charge of things, and to me, that is absolutely to be celebrated. I know you celebrate that every day. Thank you. And I, and I believe that um, cognitive behavioral therapy is about changing that mindset and empowering people and letting them know that they do have control over their thoughts and their behavior. Uh, so that's where I think the two modalities that I practice, the cognitive mm -hmm. behavioral part, which how do we change our emotions? Because our, as you said in the beginning, a thought in our head creates an emotion and those emotions are exhibited through our behavior. It can be happy, or it can be sad, or it can actually be destructive. So absolutely, absolutely. And I'm gonna ask you this question. Before I won't jump into it just yet. I won't jump into it just yet because I'm just I'm I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I know. Um, I know. When I played a video before we began, I played a video of a fly getting caught in a flight and Venus fly trap. And when I was in school, I learned a lot about the Venus flytraps and things like that. And, and, and I thought about it. And to me, isn't it kind of that way that our triggers kind of sometimes can kind of act like that? You know, our triggers can kind of be like a Venus flytrap. And, and it doesn't take very much to set us off. It doesn't take very much for that trap to close. And, and that's kind of I kind of how see our triggers. Am I kind of close? Am I in the same vein somewhere? Yeah, I think you're spot on because um, when people come to see me, they're exhibiting a maladaptive behavior, whether it's social isolation, whether it's skin picking, whether it, it could be anything. And it's become debilitating, but they can't, they don't know what the trigger is to their behavior. So once that's you can. That's the key. So once we can identify what the trigger is, then we can come up with a proactive plan to try to stop you from getting in that Venus flytrap. Wow, wow. And, and, and conversely, on the, on the opposite side of that, sometimes we are the Venus flytrap. You know, sometimes we're, we're reacting. Sometimes we are the ones reacting. But sometimes... Uh, our triggers, they uh, make us feel like the insect. We're the one trapped by our triggers. You know, most individuals, I will even put this out there, most individuals, even me, I will say me, if I know my triggers, I don't always want to react the way my triggers tell me to react. I don't want to be that insect caught by the Venus flytrap. And sometimes, not only are we the Venus flytrap, Sometimes we become the insect. We, we get trapped by our own selves. Well, that's true. And so, so this is where the, the behavioral part comes in. So the two modalities I use are cognitive behavioral therapy mm -hmm. and behavioral therapy. And you're absolutely right. So in behavioral therapy, how do you change your environment to change your behavior? So in Correct. that... Right, so you can't just tell yourself, well, you can, but the two modalities work better <laughs> than you can, but they work better together if you can change your environment. You have to have a replacement behavior. So mm. rather than going into the trap 
What are you going to use so that you don't go in the trap? What replacement behavior do you have? Do you tell your, you self-talk and say, okay, I know I'm going towards the trap. I'm going to stop. I'm going to make a healthy choice. I'm going to walk away. Right, so, right. So you have to have a replacement behavior or it won't work. Wow. So what I hear is, is this a lot, a lot of, so a lot of times we, we want to address our triggers, but we have to replace it with something to fill that void. Because if we don't, where, where does that kind of leave us? We're kind of like in limbo because as humans, as humans, if we don't replace it, we're going to go back to our default setting. That's correct. You're absolutely right. And so the first the first thing you have to do, well, the first thing you have to do is acknowledge that there is a problem. Ah. And, and even that can be hard. So you had mentioned before, what if you are the trap or what if you're the person, you know, that can be said in people who are enabling other people. So oh, wow. they could actually be the trap. So it's not just you that has to change your behavior. It's the other people in your life that maybe live in the same household as you. Correct. And so when families come to see me, I let them know, let's say, you know, little Johnny comes in with his mom and little Johnny's feeling so bad about himself because of his behavior. And I say, Johnny, it's not just you that has to learn a replacement behavior. It's your mom that has to learn how she's going to react to that behavior. So it's not just you, Johnny. The whole family's going to have to change. With, with that statement right there, uh, Lori, you really have changed a lot of people's way of thinking in their lives. Uh, because a lot of times, we've got to be honest, a lot of times we place the responsibility of change on that one individual. Parents play, I've done it, I've been guilty. You place the responsibility to change on just a child and not take on, no, not include yourself in that same change. So what this tells me is part of that behavioral change, I have to include myself in it. If it's another person, whether it be a relationship or friendship or a child or whatever it is, you, we have to include ourselves as part of that change. It's not just that one person's individual. I have to have my own, I'm responsible for how I respond as well. That's correct. And um, I don't think that parents or spouses or siblings realize how they contribute to the continuation of that person exhibiting the maladaptive behavior. So when a family comes to see me, I like to have everybody take data on their perspective of what's happening because everybody has their own perspective Absolutely. and and so to analyze then they come back and we analyze the data together i gather more information and from that information is how i write a treatment plan for the family and um travis in that treatment plan my expectations are and i make the family accountable in practicing the techniques that I have given them because a lot of times individuals will attend a therapy session and mm -hmm. with their therapist, they will practice a deep breathing and then they're out of the office and they're in different environments. But how can you be expected to come to utilize the techniques you've been taught in a clinical setting Absolutely. outside of that setting? 
And um, I, I like to look at it as if you're training for a 10K, you can sign up for the 10K, but you have to practice the days leading up to it. And that's just how it is with cognitive behavioral therapy. Wow, wow. So we're talking, as we're talking about trigger happy. We're talking about triggers that we all have. And let me ask you a question real quick. And this is me asking, are all triggers related to some type of trauma? I think that's, a, that's an interesting question. I don't know if I've ever been asked that question. I think maybe initially it was attached to a trauma mm -hmm. and then it becomes habitual over time and it starts to take on a life of its own. And the trauma could actually be something that is irrational. For, so it could be something that we've thought are like, for example, let's say you're walking down the street and a car is speeding towards you, but it slams on its brakes and it doesn't hit you. So in your mind, you're thinking, oh my gosh, if I walk down the street again, what if there's another speeding car? Correct. Right. So right. now you change your route when actually there was no trauma, but your head, those irrational thoughts kept going around and around and created this trauma in your head, a potential trauma. And we can call that anticipatory anxiety because you're anticipating something. So now you don't take that street anymore. But I, then, but then Travis, you say, well, this is another busy street. Best not to even walk on the streets. I'm going to call up and have the coffee delivered. So now you've got a whole new set of problems where you have social anxiety, specific exactly. phobias, you're not leaving the house. So it could be an actual trauma or it could be irrational thoughts that are creating this trauma situation. Wow, guys, you hear that? And I, I read that on the anticipatory uh, trauma. I said, wait a minute. You mean you could tell me I can, I can have this anxiety going on anticipating a problem Yes. Anticipating something to go wrong and it never happens. No. But my mind, my mind doesn't know that. My my mind will respond to me to the anticipation of a problem as if it was the actual problem itself. That is correct. I would feel the same tension, I would feel <laughs> the same stress. I would be, you know, pulling, well, if I had hair, I'd be pulling my hair out. <laughs> uh, we would feel that same, our muscles would get tense and nothing's happened. No, but in our mind, see, our mind is so powerful. And that's what I tell people. I, when they come to my office, they don't believe that they can control their thoughts. They don't believe it because they've had these irrational thoughts for so long and it's consumed so much of their time right, that, right. that we, that, you know, together I have to tell them they do have the ability. They, they can control their thoughts and they just have to practice. And once they do the first time, it's like a weight is lifted off their shoulders and they can just start to generalize it in other areas of their life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let me ask you this question. All right. So we're talking about triggers, right? We're talking about those things that get to us, that things that get going. It's kind of like sitting in a, in a scare, you know, in a, in a scary movie. You know, it, it scary. It triggers you. So let me ask you. Uh, 
minutes we hear the word triggers and we might get this image uh like i said uh you know of a gun you know with a gun or a trigger when we say triggers what exactly are we talking about are there uh, and so what exactly are triggers then i mean we hear about them we're talking about so what exactly is a trigger i'll give you an example travis so i get a lot of individuals it's called uh, excoriation but really, it, what it is, is called, it's skin picking. So I get a lot of individuals that engage in skin picking, and it's a, it's a self-injurious behavior, which mm. didn't, didn't start that way, Travis. It started with maybe they saw a blemish on their face, and so they started poking at it. Then right. they start feeling for more lumps. And, and I've seen people that have really done extensive damage to their body mm. with skin picking. It's, it really can be a horrible situation to be in. That's part of the um, obsessive-compulsive behavior, but it right. actually has its own title in the DSM. And the DSM is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual for Mental Health Disorders. So a trigger... I would want them to take data. When are they most likely to pick their skin? Then I'm finding where the triggers are. The triggers typically are in the bathroom when they're washing their hands and they're looking at their face in the mirror or they're in the shower. And, you know, it ha it, it, it's usually it takes place in the bathroom. It could be watching TV, but typically it's in the bathroom. So I write a specific plan mm -hmm. so that we can avoid looking in the mirror some, sometimes they have to set a timer they have to be in and out of that bathroom in a certain amount of time they have to have the lights dimmed and then they also have i put visuals up so visual for me that's part of the behavioral aspect changing the environment so mm -hmm. in the bathroom could be the list of things they have to do wash your hands for 20 seconds dry them off leave right. the bathroom whatever it is and then I also have what I have in my book, it's called the signal plan. And so I print out actual signals, red, yellow, green, and they look at that because once they start to pick their face, they see the signal, stop, yellow, wow. make a choice. I have to make a healthy choice. Green, take a deep breath and get the heck out of there. Lori, I, I, I like that. Um, you, you, you caught me on the part about set a timer. And I was like, wait a minute, that actually would work on, <laughs> on a lot of things. You know, if, if we're overthinking things, I can, let's say if I'm going to watch the news today, okay, let's say I'm going to watch the news, I can set a timer. Okay, Travis, you can watch the news twice a week because if I know if it's depressing me or if, I, yeah. if it has me feeling down, I'll set a timer to how many, how many days a week I'll watch the news. And it's not that I don't want to be informed. I don't want to be overwhelmed. I, so, I get it. I get it, Travis. And, and I had to do that because I said, okay, if I'm, I can be informed, but not overwhelmed. And, and that's what we want the news for, right? We want to be informed, but not overwhelmed. And so triggers, I'm, I'm, if I'm hearing correct, triggers begin to come and occur when we have overwhelming thoughts about certain things. And they, and they spark a, a certain behavior or response from us. Well, certain people, um, they have an actual physical reaction to situations I've Correct. had. In, so if you have somebody that's experiencing, so there's a difference between anxiety 
and panic attacks. Right. If you're having a pan, I've had people come to see me where they've been in the ER several times, and the ER, the doctor is saying, "Look, it, there is nothing physically wrong with you. Yes, you have an increased heart rate. Yes, mm -hmm. you feel dizzy and confused, but these are physical symptoms that you're experiencing because of your anxiety." Oh so, wow. Yeah, and then I've also had what's interesting is in my book, there's something, there's a case in... Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. There, uh, where I explain about conversion disorder. And conversion disorder, I've been doing this for over 20 years, close to 25 years, and I've only had two cases of conversion disorder. Conversion disorder is similar to a panic attack, except the individual actually believes that they are having a seizure or they go paralyzed or they go blind. So uh, physiologically, they really believe they can't walk. Oh, wow. And it's the anxiety that's produced this symptom. Isn't that amazing? It, our, our minds can have a physical reaction to what we think? Yes. Jeez. <laughs> you just, jeez. You, you may have just saved somebody's life with that. I mean, that's mind-blowing to think that what I think can play out in my body. How I think, the way I'm perceiving and processing things, the way my will play out in my physical body in a physical form that otherwise wouldn't, wouldn't exist. It, it really is amazing, and especially the one case of conversion disorder that I have in my book, mm -hmm. that individual in particular sent me a text a few weeks ago and said they had just finished their first semester at college, and they just wanted to thank me for everything. And if you read the book, you'll see this individual couldn't walk when they came to see me. And wow. it was it just incredible, really incredible story. And the mom was so relieved because now she's hearing, she knows what to do because she was a contributing factor. Oh, wow. She was, you know, to the equation, the dynamics of what was happening. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. she was actual, actually very grateful to be given a specific plan. This is how you handle the situation. This is what right. you're supposed to do. And so right. it was a relief for her because she didn't know what to do. Wow. Um, amazing. And, 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 you, and it changed not only that individual's life, but the parent's life, the, oh, the yeah. person around them. So Most they went from definitely. having a child who, who wasn't able to walk, you know, that was walking, that was now able to be mobile. And go to college and do great and get and get their driver's license. I mean, it's amazing. Triggers, guys. <laughs> Triggers. Trigger happy. Uh, so let me, just, let me ask you something. So I understand now what triggers are. I understand how they can impact me. 
are there ways to help us um, identify when these triggers are at work? Because sometimes we can just be oblivious. We kind of like the fly in the fly trap. We don't know we're being trapped. All that fly knows is it's enjoying the plant. It's enjoying the moment, so to speak. It's in the moment. Are there ways to help us identify when these triggers are at work? Yes, and Travis, most people don't realize that they will be able to identify it. What I, what I like, what I give people, and I have all of this in the workbook in my in the back of my book. It's called ABC data: antecedent, behavior, and consequence. So let's say, let's say your child is going to the office a lot, the nurse's office, and she mm -hmm. wants to go home from school every day. And you're thinking, what is going on? At first you thought, well, maybe there's something wrong with her stomach. You take right. her to the doctor. Right. They say nothing's wrong. And then the school's like, hey, we got to do something because your daughter's missing a lot of school and we really want to get a handle on this. And then you ask the teacher, could you do me a favor and take this ABC data and I will take it as well. So what is the behavior? The teacher says, well, the behavior is, she holds her stomach, she says her head hurts and her stomach hurts, so I send her to the office. What happened just before she had a stomach ache? What is the antecedent mm. to that behavior? And I the like teacher that. writes down, we just got back from lunch and we're ready to start math. Math. So then what is a consequence to her stomach ache? I send her to the office and then you come and pick her up and take her home. Well, we analyze oh, wow. the data and what do we see? Does she have an, how's she doing in math? She's not doing very well. So maybe she needs a tutor. Maybe she has a learning disability. How can we help her be successful in math so right. this anxiety and stomach ache will go away? I like that. I like it. it this is in the back of your book. Yes, yes. Getting, getting your book. Getting your book, Lori. I'm getting <laughs> your book. I told you that already. I'm, I'm getting your book. Uh, that, man, that is explains why I never liked math, why I always had a headache in math in high school. It's possible. I kid you not. I promise you. I always, come math time, I always had a headache. And I thought I was just trying to get out of work, you know, but it, now I understand it wasn't. No, and a lot of times, Travis, um, anxiety is exhibited in a different way for everybody. It doesn't look the same for every, you know, two people can be experiencing anxiety. One is pacing back and forth like a nervous mm -hmm. wreck. And the other one is just sitting there and not saying anything. But if you ask a person that isn't saying anything, they may tell you, I have these racing thoughts. I didn't want to say anything because I was afraid if I said something, it would be the wrong thing. And then you would think right. I wasn't bright, you know, so we don't know what they're thinking. They're both experiencing anxiety. Wow. Most times children will experience anxiety in a physical ailment, either a stomach ache or a headache. That's most common. Wow. Guys, I, I, I don't know about you, but this information uh, that Lori is sharing with us is like mind-blowing. <laughs> and to think that there are things, there are triggers that we all have things that we, you know, and, and, and I, I think you and I was talking before we got on the air, and you, you mentioned that some things, guys, 
we will always have with us until we leave this. Earth. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that to me earlier because I'm a firm believer that you won't be, we, we won't be able to erase everything about us as long as we live. There always will be something about us. And I say simply because the fact that we're human, we are, are ever evolving. Things, we, we haven't encountered everything there is to encounter in the world, so we don't know how we will respond to something we've never experienced. We can't. We can only hope or uh, anticipate what our expect uh, uh, our response will be. We don't know. So there are certain things that will always be by our sides. Well, I I like to tell people that whatever your diagnosis is. For example, myself, I have ADHD, and I use it to my advantage because a lot Absolutely. of people, a lot of people will procrastinate. Where I'm like, oh, 50 mile run, sign me up for that. Oh, get my, you know, go back to school and get a master's, sign me up for that. Without, if I had known how many years of schooling, maybe I wouldn't <laughs> have done it. I, I don't know. But that quick response of my ADHD is just, I'll do that. I can do that. I'll do that. So I think if you can harness some control, which I've learned over the years, but also how has that served you well in your life? How, is, how can you utilize that to help somebody else? Absolutely. So what others may view as a, a, as a weakness or as a, a frailty Learn to use it as a strength. Learn to learn to propel yourself. Learn to use it as a launching pad. And you'll never know how far you go if you don't launch at all. Exactly. You, you, you got to at least launch yourself. Another thing that um, I just you know want to say that uh, another part of treatment that I use that is also in the book, if you want to use it, it's called a motivational story. So part of the treatment plan, after they've taken the data, I write a specific plan for them. It entails the signal plan. It entails, uh, you know, stay calm, think positive visuals. And that's right, in the book right. as well. But also a motivational story. So this story is supposed to be read at least once a day. I like for individuals to read it twice a day, once in the morning and once in the evening. But if we use an example, if we, okay, using you as an example, Travis, just say, my name is Travis. I'm an adult. I, I don't know what you have, but I have an, I, you know, I'm an outgoing person and I'm very likable. I have something called, and then whatever your diagnosis is, I have something called anxiety, but it doesn't define who I am. I like that. Right? I am good at, but I want to improve on, and this is how I'm going to do it. The next time I feel anxious, I'm going to think of the color red. I'm going to stop whatever mm. negative thoughts I have. I'm going to replace it with something positive. I'm going to make yellow, make a choice, make a healthy choice to think of something positive, and green, go. So in the book, there's a fill in the blank. So it's really easy to use where you can write your own motivational story. You can have your own visual aids. I always think it's, it's helpful if we have, we have to be passionate about something. You know? Correct, what are you, absolutely. Yeah, what are you passionate about? What brings you joy? Because those are the things you want to think about and start doing more often. Absolutely. I, 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 I tell myself that when I'm talking to somebody, somebody I say, uh, 
just that you got to find something that motivates you, that drives you, that makes you. Yes, you know when you're hungry, hunger drives you. What is the hunger that you have for your life? What what do you want? What is your passion? What is the thing that makes you go? You know what? I could do that. I want to do that. Let me do that. Let me do. You know. You you think about it a lot, and you want to achieve it. You know, it's not a magic button. Yeah, it's going to require some time and some effort. But what is it that makes you want to do? What What do you want to do? And I absolutely, I absolutely agree with that one hundred percent, Lori. I absolutely agree with that one hundred percent. We gotta have a passion behind us. And as, I think humans. And I think setting goals for ourselves is a good thing. I'm very goal oriented. Absolutely. Whatever that is. Right? Don't you agree? Oh yeah, I, absolutely. You ha and you know what I do? I I learn this. I learn when I set a goal. I learn to me. To me, my goal becomes real when I set a date to it. Uh, because exactly. if I don't set a date to it, it's just out there, and I won't. But if I set a date to it, then all of a sudden I go, oh, I got a date. I just can't. You know, <laughs> I, I gotta, I, I gotta do this. It's a date. It's on a calendar at a certain time, and and. And to me, if I don't set a date, because I'm thinking, me, I think, well, it's okay, I'll get to it. I'm kind of, no, get to it when I get to it kind of guy sometimes. But if there's a date, oh, no, I'm, I said, I got to do it. It's a date on it. And I, so when you set a goal, I put a date behind it. That's when it becomes real to me. That's when I begin working on it. That's when I begin either researching what I need to research or whatever I need to do. But that's when the it, the goal becomes real. So if we set a goal, put a date behind it. And I agree with you 100%. Typically, I'll have the individuals I work with. I, I don't use the iPhone calendar only because, <laughs> because I because I do have ADHD and I have to look at everything in front of me. So I write everything in my book, like you're saying, whether it's setting a goal. Okay, so if I set, for example, writing the book, right? If I set a goal to, to, to write a book, I, I will block out certain times. This is when I'm gonna work on it. Correct. This is when I'm gonna work on it so that I have an end date in mind. Correct, I do the exact same thing. Uh, I'll start my day and I go, okay, next, my first, 30 minutes of my morning, I'm going to do my treadmill and listen to something motivational. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm consistent on that like four days a week. That nonstop, I'm going to do this. Nothing else is going to interfere with that because I have to have that routine in my head to, in order to accomplish my goal. Absolutely, guys. Trigger happy, guys. So I'm going to ask you this. All right. we, we know what triggers are. We know how to identify our triggers when we when we in the middle of them, and what's triggering us. So let me ask you this: When we talk about being trigger happy, right? When we talk about being trigger happy, or is there anything we can do about that? Because a lot of times we are that Venus flytrap. We're quick to snap on people, or quick to you know have this emotional response or this behavioral response. Is there anything that we can do? Well, you have to break the pattern. I mean, that's what you have to do. You have to really, you have to practice. Like I said, you have the ABC data. We've identified what the antecedent is. You have the motivational story to prepare you, right? I may be trigger happy, but that doesn't define who I am. Oh, I like that. Typically, I am trigger happy when somebody talks about politics. I'm just throwing that out there. 
I must remember, if somebody wants to talk about politics, I will say, I appreciate your input, but I'd rather not talk about that. So you have an alternative behavior and you're going to practice that behavior, right? So, and if they say, why don't you want to talk about it? I can say, it's not good for my health. Let's talk about sports. Let's talk about Absolutely. anything else. And you can have ideas that you're going to talk about. And more than likely, the other person will say, okay, let's talk about that. So like you have, to, yeah. So you, in your motivational story, you're going to practice your replacement behavior. And then it even helps if you have a partner, if you can mm -hmm. role play a scenario and you exchange, you know, you interchange roles. Like let's Correct. say, Correct. let's say your wife says, okay, we're going to practice now. And then you say, okay. So first you read your story to prime yourself for the situation. And then your wife says, hey, did you see the news today? This is what happened. I cannot believe it's happening. And then Travis will say, you know what, honey? I really don't want to talk about politics right now. Let's talk about how beautiful the day was and what we're going Absolutely. to do tomorrow as a family. And then you practice, then she changes roles and then she is you and you're her. So it gives you practice. The more that you practice, the better you're going to be in the moment and you won't get caught in that fly trap. Wow. Guys, listen, I don't know about you, but I've been caught in enough fly traps. <laughs> Enough. I want to show a quick video, guys, when we get ready to get out of here. Watch this quick video, guys. I'm a. It's See that? We yep. get caught, but there are ways to get out. And that's what you just said. I wanted to show that last part because we don't have to be trapped. Don't take we, the bait. Don't, don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. We don't have <laughs> to be caught in it. I know it looks good, but we don't have to get caught in it. Guys, you know, Lori has been alluding to uh, her book. And uh, she's been alluding to her book. And uh, when, I, when I ran across the book, the title was very interesting to me. <laughs> I'm going to throw up the throw up the book here, guys. Here it is. You're not crazy living with anxiety, obsessions, and fetishes. And uh, I, I asked you earlier, and I know people who didn't have the privilege of listening to our conversation, uh, what made you come up with that title for your book? Well, I wanted people to know, a lot of times people will come into my office and they're afraid that they're the worst case I've ever seen. I've mm. ever seen anybody as bad as me or with oh, behaviors wow. like mine. And I tell them, you know, I've seen just about everything. So don't worry, you're not crazy. We'll work on this together. And I wanted to pick, there's six different case studies in the book. And I wanted to give a wide variety of case studies and um, kind of normalize things, to read it with compassion, each case, because they are real cases. They're real people. I changed, you know, the gender. I changed right, kind of right. the scenario. But for the most part, they're real. Oh, know? wow. I, I've, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, Lori. Uh, the, the title of the book grabs me. 
because uh, a lot of us will feel that way. We feel like we're the worst case scenario to anything. We make right. a mistake. I'm the worst at that. We, one mistake make all automatically makes us the worst, or how we think, and we may be the worst because we aren't normal. Uh, whatever that is now, uh, yes. after, after, <laughs> after this pandemic, if there's any unnormal thing now. Uh, but a lot of times people feel this way, like the title of your book, uh, You're Not Crazy. And they won't, they won't voice it. We won't say it. Uh, so we live in this world like that fly. We're trapped, you know, by that Venus flytrap. We're trapped by our triggers. We're trapped by things, and we just can't get out. Well, we're trapped by our negative thoughts. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and look at the fly. He couldn't get out until he had until he changed his mind, he got out. <laughs> That's right. He didn't just succumb to the thing closing him in. You know, he, he got out. Uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, so, real quick before we get out of here, uh, mm -hmm. what are some tips uh, you can provide to listeners and those who are watching about what we can do to improve uh, our behaviors in ways uh, to becoming our best selves. What are some tips you can provide? Well, first, I want everybody to know that you're not alone. No matter how stuck you are, Absolutely. there's a Yeah, you can move forward. You have a choice in life. You can stay stuck or you can try to move forward. And if you move forward, I, I'm sure there's a support team, even if it's just one other person you can confide in, that will help you take those steps to move forward. There has to be hope. That's the first thing. There has to be hope. Wow, gosh. You can stay stuck or you can try to move forward. Guys, it doesn't get any better than that. I'm going to put up your, your, your web address right there. Now, you have your own... Uh, practice am i correct Lori? and where are yes. you located i'm located in camarillo california and um i like i said i started off barely graduating high school and now i have a contract with the county where we're serving over 100 individuals with developmental disabilities and then we have other individuals that are just experiencing anxieties phobias ocd um, so we're doing a lot of good for the community. That that's just amazing. Your your story alone should is inspiring to let people know that I don't have to stay trapped in in this thing. I don't have to remain trigger happy. Guys, LoriSingerBehavioral.com. Uh, guys, if you're in California, check her out. And uh, my gosh, I'm in I'm in Alabama, so I'm not near you. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm definitely getting the book. Uh, the, the title again speaks to me, so I'm definitely going to get that. I love that. Uh, before we get out of here, guys, I got to do this because if I don't do this, Lori, people will ask me, "Well, why didn't you do that?" <laughs> you do this all the time. Why didn't you do it this time? So I got to do this. So otherwise, people won't be. I won't be getting emails and text messages. So let me get that there, and I'm going to do this right here, and get ready to close us out of here. There we go, guys. All right, guys, listen. It's been an absolute blast speaking with Lori Singer today, guys. She's amazing. So glad she joined the show today, guys. Look, don't forget to visit our Facebook page. That's Tell Me Something Good with the capital T, Lori. Thank you so much for joining the show today. We are so happy. Thank you for all the great information that you shared. Guys, listen, 
Each week, 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, you can watch us right here at TMT, or you can stream on your favorite music podcast platform like Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and so many more. Guys, before we get out of here, as always, if you're going to tell me something, tell me something good. <laughs> I'm out of here. I got to go. Peace. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.